shepherd that should most concern the sheep that's it that's opening reading okay is that from your sermon um yeah i mean well no actually i just made it up okay but it relates to the sermon but it's yeah but i did just you know yeah that's good i liked it yeah it's been it's really been quite a week with the the verdict and the Derek Chauvin trial and Dante Wright's funeral and what a what a beautiful and terrible world we live in, but I'm glad we can get through it together. Glad you're listening to the podcast. It's good to be together in this way. So thanks. Yeah. Well, this is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. I invite you to join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, help us discern your voice, if that is even close to how you communicate, and listen. Help us believe in your presence everywhere, every moment, though this is hard to believe. Help us listen and believe So we will be able to love courageously out there on the streets or quietly wherever we are needed and not be afraid. We need you to help us open up to your goodness, even as violence and death and so many things that do not seem good rage around us. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone, have gone, guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Into the light of perfect 
with God in your mercy and I invite you to respond hear our prayer God of mercy if you are a good shepherd as you say protect your sheep from the wolves that they will not be scattered and snatched and killed and if we are all Dante Wright Adam Toledo Makia Bryant George Floyd somehow safely in the fold. May the families who are mourning the violent deaths of their loved ones get a glimpse of that fold, the tender mercy that never lets anyone alone more than a glimpse. Hold them with grace in a way that they will know they are held. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, Keep us from putting our faith in hirelings, in systems or money, forces that are without love or justice. No matter how we benefit from unjust systems, help us to participate in the dismantling. We pray for courage and safety for all those gathering and marching and speaking loudly in Brooklyn Center and Columbus, Ohio, in Palestine, in malls, on bridges, in squares, on porches, in the way of cars and trains and pipelines, praying perhaps in this way for peace and hope and the end of violence, disrupting commerce, exposing the destructive inequities. We pray that we will not give up trying, preferring the numbness of instant streaming. But we do pray for moments of relief and rest even amidst the roiling sea, the waves that keep coming, little lifeboats from time to time, whatever they may be, a really good show, a good laugh, a delightful meal. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we are easily hurt and we are given to self-righteousness and judgment. Gather us together 
in love in spite of our tendencies so that we can get over our need to be better than other people. Lead us to love so we will forget to be defensive, so that we will not be stifled by our ego or our fear of vulnerability. Free us to love so we will not be lonely and afraid and insecure, polishing up our image as the world keeps breaking open. Help us be free from ourselves. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for journalists, media, whoever covers the news, people whose work often molds public opinion. May it be possible not to oversimplify what is complex, to look for something deeper than sound bites. May they be free from corporate interest, although of course that seems impossible. We rely so heavily on so many people to know what is going on. May we be responsible to one another as human beings. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, in mercy, we pray for this community. May we learn how to care for each other, understanding that we need each other in tangible ways, even these days when tangible still seems miles away. Though we don't see each other every week, May it still be possible for us to discover how we are needed, how to love each other. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, may we be attentive to you and you to us as we pause for silence. Gather all the prayers of all the people and listen to them carefully. You keep covering us in love. May we recognize it. Amen. The Gospel reading is from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Can you see the wolf from where you are, red-eyed, teeth-bared? Can you see the wolf coming into the clearing, lined up right across from neighbor's fence to neighbor's yard, ready to light him up, put him down? Can you see the wolf from where you are, sons from Lake Elmo, daughters from New Ulm, always ready? always there, and if the sheep have the wolf outnumbered, the wolf can call in more. Dennis from Mankato, soybean farmer from McLeod, always ready, always there. You know, there's some scriptures that will forever be in the King James translation, in the minds of the world. There's John 3.16 with its whoever so believeth, and there's Psalm 23. Any other translation seems to weaken it. The Lord is my shepherd, so I don't need anything else. It's not the same as the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. My mind even has an English accent when I just think of the words. And I see pastoral imagery, all the pastoral imagery, it seems medieval. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And I've always pictured it like an English banquet in a castle type thing, like with goblets, and I'm holding a goblet and toasting the Lord. But the strange thing is, when I picture me at the banquet table with the goblet, I'm alone. This psalm is so weirdly narcissistic. The Lord is my shepherd? Why not the Lord is our shepherd? I have this crazy image of a Sunday school film strip that plays every time I read this psalm. The Lord, picture Jesus, the good shepherd. I know, what's Jesus doing in a psalm, but this is the film strip. And the Lord is walking beside a little blonde-haired kid with short pants on and a cap. Then the Lord, Jesus in his robe, gestures to the green grass, and the kid lays down on it for a nap. And the kid gets up, and the shepherd takes him down by the still waters, and he has his rod and his staff to protect the kid. But when I stop the film strip and think about it, I'm perplexed. Why do I want to sleep in the grass? What's so great about being beside still water? What's the difference between a rod and a staff? Does the Lord need both? Is it like one in each hand? What does he do with them when he is preparing the banquet for me? Does he like 
awkwardly hold them both in one hand while he's setting up the food, or does he like lean them against the banquet table? The image of this personal lord following an individual around, attending to their needs, a place to sleep, food, water, protection, seems more like a dog than God, more like a servant than a shepherd. This idea of a personal assistant lord is clearly the result of recontextualizing the interpretation, the result of hundreds of years of cultural conditioning making it nearly impossible to recover anything close to what the original audience heard. What is as interesting as how our culture has read this text is the way this text reads us. It reflects back to us our self-obsession that would paint God as our valet. What does that say about our culture that we find the notion of a personal attendant, Lord, even appealing? The Lord is my personal shopper. I will have many fashionable choices. He makes me to lie down on high thread count Egyptian cotton. He brings me still water, not sparkling. He restores my credit scores. He turns traffic lights green to prove he's with me. Even though my commute is horrible, I do not fear texting drivers, for you are with me. Your management of traffic lights and parking spaces, they comfort me. You make sure my banquets free-range organic and locally sourced. My oil stocks rise, my wine cellars overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall do well in a gated community for my whole life long. I mean, I'm sure that if I were a shepherd or lived in a sheep-raising culture, it would sound different. Or if I was a sheep. If I were a sheep, I'm not sure. I w I'm sure that I would have a very different meaning, this whole thing. If I were a sheep. But then, you know, I might be thinking, hey, where are all the other sheep? Where's the flock? Or, that banquet looks good, but how am I supposed to get up on that chair to eat it? I can't even reach the table. Or, hey, shepherd, do you see any opposable thumbs here? This is a hoof. How am I supposed to hold that goblet? And why does he have both a rod and a staff? Of course, if I were a sheep, there would be some question about my ability to even reflect on my own reality. But I digress. I guess if I dial back the critique a little bit, I can read it as a psalm of comfort. It's nice to believe that the Lord, that God, cares for me, takes care of me, keeps me safe, and more than that, wants good things for me. Good food and drink, rubbing oil on my head, all like sensual comfort. That's what this psalm's culturally constructed meaning really is. I do a lot of funerals for people that don't have pastors who have expressed a desire to have one perform their funeral, or maybe their families want one. Most have a distant relationship with the church or with Christianity. Some have no connection with any religion, but all they want something kind of spiritual at their funeral. So I'm happy to do it. And I would say that I read this psalm at well, more than half of them. Some of the time people specifically ask for it. Other times 
when I ask if they would like any scripture read, Psalm 23 is the only one that they can think of. Sometimes when they just want me to make all the decisions myself, I just put Psalm 23 in. Even times when the person who has died has no friends or family, and it's just me and the funeral director, I still read Psalm 23, which I know is maybe a little surprising given my critique of it as a narcissistic, medieval, maybe even sort of silly psalm. And the, its cultural recontextualizing of the interpretation of it is so pervasive as to make any recovery of its intended meaning impossible. I know I said all that, but I still read it. Because read in a funeral service, when heard in a funeral service, no one is picturing the Lord protecting them. No one is seeing the Lord help them to lay down in green pastures. Everyone is seeing the person they loved, the one who has died, the one that is gone that they can no longer take care of or protect. Their father or mother, son or daughter, their child that they can no longer prepare food for, that they can no longer feed or comfort. Even when it's only me and the funeral director, when the person who has died had no one, it's comforting. It's more than comforting. It is loving and merciful to believe that they are no longer alone, in pain, struggling. That the Lord is with them, not only to protect them, but giving them good things. A place to sleep, good food, a drink rubbing their head. The Lord is their shepherd. They shall not want. The scene that Jesus is conjuring is one of imminent danger in the John 10 passage. The sheep are on the clearing, gathered loosely, grouped in twos, threes, fives, eating, grazing. The wind shifts and their heads come up, first those on the fringes, then it spreads through them all. They begin moving, agitated, shifting, finding each other, not yet sure where the menace will come from, only for now, knowing it's there, it's coming. The shepherd reads the skittish movements of the sheep, recognizes in their movements instinctual fear, narrows his eyes and searches the middle distance, then the far. They're just emerging from the tree line, slung low, ears forward. The tall grasses barely move as the menace passes through them. And even before this perception fully registers, the wolf is coming, quickly closing the distance. The shepherd knows if he doesn't move now, the beast will outpace him and reach the flock unhindered, charging directly at its center until they scatter in a blind chaotic fear. And the wolf will snatch up take down the closest, slowest, or the one left most exposed. And hitting pause, Jesus turns to the nature of the shepherd. 
Jesus asked those in the clearing, gathered loosely, in twos, threes, fives, to consider in whose care the fate of the sheep rests. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In that moment, I will act, move to put myself between the menace and the sheep. Now the hired shepherd, the hired man, he's there to tend to his paycheck before he tends to the sheep. They're not his sheep. He does not love them. And he will, in that moment, move quickly away, giving up gladly a sacrifice to satisfy the wolf so he can walk away. And between the lines John has written, you can almost see Jesus pointing when he speaks of the hireling shepherd. And you can maybe guess which way. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says, and I know my own, and my own know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. And when the wolf came, Jesus separated himself from the flock. And the wolf, they took him and put handcuffs on him. And as they're putting him in the back of the car, he says, hands cuffed behind him. He says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also into the fold. In between the lines John has written, you can almost see Jesus pointing, gesturing with his chin. And maybe you can guess which direction he's gesturing in. And this is why God loves me, he says, because I lay down my life for this and every other, and I will take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down and take it up again. This is God's table, and all are welcome. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you, and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. When burdens seem to overcome, there's a higher power who's able and refuses not. There's a higher power. Why ask men to help you through? There's a higher power. They're helpless pilgrims just like you. There's a higher power, sing it, shout it, walk it, talking. There's a higher power, lay down your soul, cause Jesus bought it. There's a higher power, amen, amen. There's a higher power, amen, amen. There's a higher power. Go tell those people lost in 
Christ never stops trying to let you know you are loved. Welcome the presence of God as you make your way through this week. Amen. <laughs>